Welcome back to your ex-boyfriend's podcast, episode five. Uh, I'm going to try something new this week and introduce a part-time segment, because maybe we won't need it every week, but a new segment called Old Business, and I'm going to address anything that may have come up in the last episode or a couple of episodes that may, may need clarification or any questions that I got, or uh, any shout-outs from, from people, um, just stuff that we have already talked about. And I think you'll appreciate this week's because uh, I've got quite a few. Quite a bit of old business for you. Uh, so first of all, we talked, I want to say in episode three, about PC muscles, doing your Kegels. Uh, PC muscles. I didn't know what that stood for. So I looked it up. Uh, I actually went on a Wikipedia adventure. <laughs> uh, PC is short for pubococcygeus. It's the pubococcygeus muscle. It is uh, exactly what I told you last week, that stop peeing muscle. Um, and it kind of stretches like a hammock between your uh, pubic bone and your coccyx, hence the name, pubococcygeus. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Um, Basically what it does, other than what we talked about, is it keeps your ass from falling out of your ass. So work that shit out, because it's important. (laughs) Okay, moving on. The brain chemicals that I referred to, I can't even remember in what episode. There were four, and I was correct. Uh, I was right with dopamine and serotonin. The other two that I was thinking of were endorphins and oxytocin. And I'm not going to get into what each of those do because I'm not smart enough. So if you're interested in what those four chemicals do and how your brain releases them and when, look them up. Google that shit. Uh, From last episode, episode four, the boundaries episode. Just an idea for you to carry forward. Something that I think I wanted to mention during that episode and forgot. Boundaries are important for a lot of reasons. We discussed those. But one of the major reasons that I I guess I alluded to, you could probably come to this conclusion on your own, if you think about it, you know, do your own sort of reflection on the matter. But one of the most important reasons that you need to set boundaries is that people tend to do what's comfortable for them and not necessarily what's right for you, including yourself. You do that too. I do that. So the idea of boundaries is in essence guiding them to do what's right for you instead of what they're comfortable doing so there you go finally i think the best 
bit of old business for all of you who already know. I referenced my dog last episode. His name is Jonesy, and he is a five-year-old German Shepherd Husky mix. And for all of you who have met him, you know exactly what I was talking about in regards to how cute he is. For those of you who haven't met him, I may have to put a picture of him and I up on my website, uh, on the Podbean website where this is hosted, just so y'all can get an idea (laughs) of why I even felt like I had to mention him because after you see him, you'll understand. How could you not mention him when he's in the room? (laughs) Okay, that's it for old business. Thank you for bearing with me. Uh, Hopefully y'all learned something. PC muscles, work them out. Uh, okay. Episode five. The title of episode five is all aboard the SS friendship. And to my friend David, yes, when I did that title and I just now said that I did the action pose that you have to do when you say the word friendship. And I know, you know what I'm talking about. So just know that I did that. Hopefully while you're listening to this, you did the pose too. All aboard the SS Friendship. This episode is about friends. Not the show, but actual friend-like platonic relationships that you have in your life. Speaking of the show, if y'all watched Friends in the 90s and the early 2000s, that show was not accurate (laughs) that is a terrible portrayal of real life friendship in your late 20s and early 30s or whenever whatever age you are that is not how they work it was for a show i hope everybody realizes that uh so please don't model your friendships on the ones in that show now granted i want you all to know that This criticism is coming from a huge fan of the show. I love that show. Watched every episode back when it was airing. I was watching every Thursday with my my parents and my sister. Um, And then towards the end of that series with both my sisters. (laughs) The idea of being, let's just say 30, being 30 and having five close platonic friends that you see every single day is insanity. Everything about that is crazy. And I don't mean that just because of COVID or really, man, there there is nothing that, no scenario in which that makes sense. Unless you live in a commune, right? Or a boat. (laughs) Yeah. Real healthy friendships are hard to come by. And everybody lives their own life entirely separately a lot of the time. It's not just this weird, like, codependent group of friends that rely on each other for everything and are completely okay dealing with 
all five other friends daily problems with no uh, repercussions or blowback from being the sole support system, you know? And that's a whole episode in itself, I think. You know, being somebody's sole means of support is just exhausting. That is one of the reasons we have other relationships. That is one of the reasons why you can't just rely on any one type of relationship in your life to be to meet all of your emotional needs. <laughs> We're going to talk about that later this episode. Um, but yeah, just so you know, that show was a bunch of BS. You know, the, the, the title, So No One Told You Life Was Gonna Be This Way, <laughs> the first line of the song, that is much more in line with how life uh, works, how our actual friendships are uh it's hard it doesn't have a catchy tune behind it um there's no clapping none of that (laughs) uh but i find that it's funny that that show which is so unrealistic has that very very applicable first line of the theme song as my sister would say that's uh oof or excuse me, big oof. <laughs> Gen Z, come listen to my podcast, please. <laughs> uh, okay. So initiating friendships is hard enough. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into it here. Initiating friendships is difficult. And in my experience, I find that while you know finding somebody who you want to be friends with you know sort of crossing that breaching that subject uh broaching broaching yeah broaching that subject with a person it's hard enough it's not nearly as hard as maintaining that friendship um the friendships that I have tried to create in my adult life, the hardest part has easily been keeping them going. They require effort. And I don't know if you've noticed, that's a theme. Uh, Effort to keep up. We've all had that friendship. You know, we meet somebody You jive with them or vibe with them. I guess kids say vibe these days. We're going to use vibe. It's not the 70s. We're not going to say jive anymore. Um, You jive with somebody. I just did it again. You vibe with somebody. That's the easy part. And then you have to, like, text them and call them and plan stuff and figure out what they like and don't like and how flaky or not they are and how early they show up to your house when you invite them over, and how late they stay, and how long they overstay their welcome, and how drunk they get when you go out. Like, There's all sorts of things you don't even know when you start into a friendship. Same as any other relationship, really, that you start. And the maintaining of of a friendship that, that you, over time, actually do want to continue is 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 not constant work 
but it is regular work and i think almost i would argue that the majority of friendships there is a person one of the two who tries harder to make that friendship work which is not a bad thing it's pretty normal i think it's natural but that person may or may not have the energy consistently to do that which i think leads to a lot of friendships collapsing when the person who is doing you know 51 percent or more of the maintenance gets tired it's not something that you necessarily just talk about with the other person and it tends to lead towards the fizzling out of the friendship I mean, you can talk about it, and that requires a lot of maturity and thought put into it so you can have, you know, a productive conversation. Um, but, uh, you know, as we've been discussing, that's hard, and it's uncomfortable, which is why I, I think it doesn't get done. So friendships fizzle out. So in, in my own experience, my closest friendships are those from childhood. I have a core group of friends that, for the most part, hasn't deviated um, really since high school. But we're going to get into that uh, in a minute. I think the reason, or there, there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons that my closest friends are those from my childhood, those from K through 12, is that people's lives tend to diverge almost without fail post primary school so you graduate and people go about their separate ways high school for the most part um and and college to a lesser extent but i would say that far more in high school especially if you've been in the same area for for most of your primary schooling that's the last time that you are among a singular peer group where you're all the same age you all do the same stuff on a regular basis you see each other five plus days a week you have hobbies together you learn together you struggle together you grow up together that creates this perfect uh petri dish for long-lasting friendships in my experience and i think i've noticed that um, with quite a few other people. Okay, so after high school, we're not going to count college because so many people disperse uh, throughout college. And you have so many more options to be individual in your you know, college experience. But uh, after high school, you split up. You go your separate ways a lot of the time. And this magnifies the differences between you. And it removes automatic shared experience all of that stuff that you did k through 12 that you did with the same people every day and created this perfect scenario for you know commonality for friendships to form it goes away it just disappears literally in the blink of an eye it goes high school high school high school senior year graduation done that's it you're done and whatever you had at that point 
whatever friends you created, th- that was the last batch of friends that you're going to create like that. Uh, so you get out into the real world, and then you're faced with this challenge of, I don't have an automatic peer group to fall back on. I don't have people in my life that necessarily share the exact same experience every day. I have to then go make connections and find commonality and find interest and try to create these shared experiences on my own. I have to go meet people that I've never met before. It's like the f- every time you try and go make a friend, it's the first day of school, except now you have to do it every time for the rest of your life. Who liked the first day of school? The first time you were put into a new school or you started a new grade in a different district or you went from middle school to high school like maybe i'm i'm not an out or uh what am i trying to say maybe i'm an outlier i hated it (laughs) i hated having to try and make new friends uh put into a situation in which i didn't know anybody as a child that just stressed me out and i guess for those of you who know me today pretty introverted so that makes sense now that i've had time to think about it uh so so somebody who's introverted quick side note somebody who's introverted like me and i want to let y'all know i didn't create this um analogy that's becoming a theme (laughs) i don't create the things that i say uh but an introvert starts the day with five coins it five is an arbitrary number let's just say they start a handful of coins every social interaction that an introvert goes through in the day they give a coin away once once their coins run out they don't want to interact anymore the social interaction was taking from that person not necessarily in a bad way but it's draining the social battery the introvert is giving energy to maintain or initiate or have initiated at them social interaction reverse that an extrovert starts the day with no coins And every social interaction that they have, the other person gives the extrovert a coin. And at the end of the day, the extrovert goes home with a handful of coins. Their battery gets recharged from empty with every social interaction. If that doesn't explain the difference between the two types of people, I don't know what does. That's a a good side note. I'm proud of that one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Where was I? I got to look here. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, aside from the obvious COVID struggles we experience now, um, you know, having the social aspect of everybody's life 
cut up and and diced and and put into a dark corner and and pushed away you know obviously that has been taxing for many many reasons aside from all that making deep and meaningful friends making those connections is just inherently difficult and you got to go out there and try way harder than you're used to um that's my experience for th- for those of you who i have talked to about this you already know but for those who don't i have been trying to make like lasting real friendships for like the last four years (laughs) it's tough it is for someone like me the introvert it takes a lot of energy yeah it's it's work like everything we're gonna say that again everything worthwhile friendships included takes work Okay, so why are friendships even important? I don't have a lot of time with these podcast episodes, so I have to try and condense this giant, you know, meaningful, nuanced issue (laughs) into less than an hour. I'm going to try. Why are friendships important? Community is essential to healthy humans. The Homo sapien is a pack animal. We are social creatures. This is well known, and we have been that way for thousands and thousands of years. We evolved and survived by being social creatures that is how we made it to where we are today the modern world that we live in has reduced greatly the importance of community we are kind of shown and taught that the nuclear family the mom and dad the children those are the only real relationships that need to be cultivated that is what society has pushed um for some reason i don't know if i know the reason but it the world we live in now in america has said we're going to remove the community whether on purpose or not, we're going to remove the community aspect of human development. So gone are the days of, you know, the wise elder parts of the community advising the younger. Gone are the days of the mothers of the tribe raising all the children. Gone are the days in which you basically, as a younger person, apprenticed with an older person that could guide you we are very very isolated there is very little room in our daily lives at this point for collective 
experience for collective emotion. It used to be that there was this, you know, collective knowledge and and experience and you experienced things as a group. So something joyous would happen. You would have um, people to celebrate with. You would basically magnify that joy with those around you. And then on the flip side, you would have collective grief. You would have a whole community grieving for the loss of somebody from that group. You would have shoulders to lean, uh, shoulders to cry on, people to lean on. Um, and, you know, those are two very obvious examples, but that applies to the whole range of, of emotion and experience that humans go through. Uh, there's a saying, misery loves company, right? The idea that we all love to bitch about things with each other. It's true. It actually applies to all emotions. Everything loves company. Love loves company. Joy, sadness, grief, misery, um, surprise, uh, hope. We evolved to experience those things as a group. And now we experience those emotions individually that's not to say that it's 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 necessarily bad all the time for everyone humans evolve as i said and that includes evolving in this case to rely less on a community but that's not how we started and i would argue that maybe we need to take a look at that um you see people trying to recreate this already church is a great example in america you know the christian religion is the one i'm most familiar with even though i don't i don't follow any religion i have enough experience with that one enough exposure to to see how it works and i am pretty convinced that this is how a lot of religions in america work um you see people trying to recreate the community that we no longer have regardless of what they get together for you know the religious aspect of it it doesn't necessarily need to be any one religion or any religion at all but they are gathering they are sharing in each other's lives and they are supporting each other and regardless of what you think about organized religion in general I, it's hard to argue against the natural desire to be part of a community. Um, maybe some of those people, I, I would wonder, are just trying to be a part of a group. I think that's fairly likely. We want, I think, at some base level that doesn't necessarily get accessed all the time, some part of our psyche, we want to do these things um, together. You want to know how to grieve? Community. People who've been through it, they're going to teach you how to get through it. They're going to show you 
that it's okay to grieve in the first place. Um, you want to know how to have a healthy relationship, a romantic relationship, how to love a partner? Who are you going to ask? People in your community who've done it. Go to the, to the two 85-year-olds that have been together for the last 60 years and ask them, how did that work? How did they stay together? Show me. You want to know how to raise a child? Community. They're raising the children together. We can all bounce each I Wow, that was bad. We can all bounce ideas off each other and see what others do, what works, what doesn't. Know you're not alone when your kid is being a dickhead. <laughs> We've lost all of these easy we've lost the easy access to these sources of knowledge. So I would say that when you are, you know, it, when you want to make friends, when you are trying to maintain friendships, you are trying at a uh, very, I'll say primal, a very primal level to create a community around you because what else are friendships you know all of the stuff that i just talked about that comes from being a part of a group a lot of that is stuff you can access through your friendships all of a person's uh, needs relational needs cannot come from a singular source your partner cannot be your sole emotional support your parents, um, your siblings, even your friends, they cannot be the sole source of your, you know, s they, they can't be th your entire support system. So when what we have now is the lack of community, you know, in a lot of cases, this is friends, forcing us into putting more on the relationships that we already have, putting more on our partners, on our parents, a lot of times on our children, right? How many times have you seen parents or heard of parents or even your own? How many times have you seen them at some point start to put more on their children? Um, and it's not that it's bad. Like none of this is bad, right? We are just trying to adapt to the current situation. And as you see, it ends up hurting a lot of these relationships. So what I guess what I'm saying is, you know, the desire for friendship is really the desire for uh, community. And it's a natural um, built-in sort of desire that we, despite our best efforts, we have not been able to get rid of. We haven't been able to um, cut that out of our bodies yet. So what has this led to now? The big L, loneliness. We've all felt it. COVID has exacerbated it. And like I talked about, I think in the first or second episode, COVID has been a wonderful magnifying glass on our societal issues. Loneliness being one of them. 
you know, how on the nose is an experiment in which a global pandemic and government um, mandated isolation creates loneliness in people. <laughs> Could it have been any more uh, streamlined? <laughs> we are now getting to look at what it means and what it feels like to be alone all the time. Long story short, loneliness in general, it's okay. It's a natural human emotion. It's okay to be lonely. It is okay to be alone. Humans are social creatures, like I said, by nature, even the introverts. We're all social creatures, and as much as some of us might um, spend, as much as some of us might say that we could spend all our time alone, you know, including myself, I've definitely felt that way before. At the end of the day, at some point, you're going to need, you're going to need each other. You're going to need somebody. It's a, it's a hardwired part of the human brain. But being alone is not bad. Being lonely is not bad. Uh, it allows room to breathe and to think and to grow, to be introspective, to focus on, man, it, uh, it allows you for sure to focus on all the stuff, like the overriding concepts that we've been talking about of, of, of turning that autopilot off and, and doing hard work and, and growing and progressing. Like being by yourself is the ideal condition for that stuff <laughs> um reason being people are often utilized as distractions from what we should be focused on i i mentioned that already like if you're um doing some hard work you're looking at yourself and you see some some shit that you don't like you know we go hang out with friends or we go to the bar and we flirt with people or you get on Tinder, right? And you set up a date. Or even you put all your focus into your romantic partner and you know, don't don't do anything for yourself. People get used as distractions from the stuff that we should be focusing on. My advice would be if you're in that scenario in which you find yourself lonely if you find yourself feeling isolated a lot of the time use that um get your house in order and i, I don't mean your physical uh place of resident <laughs> get yourself in line with how you want to be utilize that time you know we don't always get it it isn't always the case in which you have time to focus solely on yourself so if you're feeling if you're if you're in a part of life in which you're alone isolated you feel lonely get your house in order and then i would argue that it might even be better when you go out and do try to make friends when you get to that point of looking for community there the the, the 
package that you present, the you that you take into the into those friendships, into that community, is going to be a lot healthier. It's going to be the you that, you know, is attractive to other people. Because I feel like a lot of the time when you go out and try to make friends and, you know, you're all fucked up inside, <laughs> people can tell. Um it's not the hardest thing in the world to sense when somebody is seeking a friendship out of desperation or they need somebody to use. Uh, not that that's inherently bad. It's a natural reaction, I think, a lot of the time. But, you know, h- how many of us are necessarily going to say, oh, that person is messed up. Let's try to create a lasting, healthy relationship. <laughs> So, long story short, uh, get right with yourself, then make some friends. And there is nothing wrong with doing that. You could even look at it as loneliness is you maintaining your standards for deep connection. You are not utilizing people as distractions. You are not putting time into shallow relationships of whatever kind they are that in the long run don't really do anything for you other than maybe slap you in the face and teach you a hard lesson. (laughs) We all want deep connection, and sometimes it takes being by yourself to get there, to get there. Okay, lastly, I want to talk about my friends a little more um, specifically. Shout out to the wolf pack. Y'all know who you are. David, Alex, Jonathan, Jericho. You know who I'm talking to. Um, we don't call ourselves the Wolf Pack anymore for obvious reasons. <laughs> Could it get any cringier than that? <laughs> but hey, we were 15 and 16 when that came up, so no shame in, in, in that. I want to talk about them real quick because been in my life forever um alex is arguably my oldest friend because i think he and i met in 1997 (laughs) when we were both seven years old (laughs) on the t-ball team that my dad coached uh and we in the you know um in the following years we got closer and farther apart as you know school forced us in and out of each other's lives as you know with different classes and different extracurriculars but um kind of reconvened in high school and uh, he and i have been friends uh since then david met him in in the fourth grade so almost the same time same thing in and out of each other's um primary school classes and stuff but uh formed up on the paintball field <laughs> in high school when we had a team and have been uh, close friends since. And then, of course, Jonathan and, well, I, I actually have to do these separately. Jonathan and Jericho are, are brothers. Um, but <laughs> I met John in the sixth grade because we both play the saxophone, and uh, uh, he has been my, historically, my constant nemesis 
as far as uh, musical talent or uh, fitness or anything we both share, John has always been <laughs> been able to beat me at. Um, and then, funny enough, very short story, the whole scenario in which I became friends with his brother Jericho was when we went to the the three of us were in jazz band together in high school and we went to a competition to the lionel hampton jazz festival in moscow idaho at the time john was pursuing a girl that was also in jazz band and it was the first time this had ever happened he ignored me (laughs) the whole trip (laughs) trying to pursue this girl which is fine, and there is no <laughs> ill will there. But in that, you know, momentary breakup <laughs> between the two of us, I was like, hey, Jericho, John doesn't want to hang out with me, so maybe you and I should hang out. <laughs> uh, fast friends ever since. Um, I was a groomsman in David's wedding in, I want to say, 2014. I will be a groomsman in Alex's wedding this coming April. And I was a groomsman in Jericho's wedding last year. Um, my closest friends. This reminds me, actually, th- this is something I uh, wanted to throw out there because it makes me laugh. <laughs> in regards to friends and and masculinity, male friends, um, we're definitely going to get into masculinity in a later episode, <laughs> and the toxic version of that, and what it means to be a man. That's going to be a long, maybe more than one episode. But um, shout out to Dan Sheehan who wrote this. He said, "Fellas, this fall is all about Lord of the Rings masculinity." That's right. We're going on long journeys with the guys. We are swearing oaths to our buddies. And if you say goodbye without a soft forehead kiss, then, buddy, you fucked up. (laughs) I forget where I was. I was talking about my friends. Um, Yeah, so we've been, you know, fast friends for a, a long, long time. Some of them I share hobbies with. Um, and, and in some cases, that's how we maintain our connection as we, you know, move about our individual lives, physically move from state to state um, through hobbies. Um, so some of them I share, you know, really core personality traits with. Um, opinions on, on a lot of things I share with them. Uh, sense of humor, of course. Some of them I share a vision with for how the future should look and what our goals are and what growth looks like. We've just been able to uh, maintain these fast friendships, um, obviously because, you know, we had, we started in, like I said, that Petri dish of primary school in which we had tons of opportunity to build and grow the relationship. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we've, we've seen friendships fail and i think the reason that my core group has you know been together for so long is you know we we've all 
done our share of maintaining the relationships. We've all essentially done what it has taken to keep each other in our lives. And, you know, the the little community that we have created uh, has been vastly beneficial to to me um, in a lot of ways. And I hope it has been just as good for them too. This is not really something that I've ever asked. If any of the four of you want to reach out and tell me <laughs> what it's been like being friends, I would absolutely welcome that. And then maybe when I have you on an episode of my podcast, we can talk about that. So I just realized this is going to be my longest episode. Hell yeah. Getting good at this. Um, I want to leave you, as I tend to do, with a quote. And that quote is this. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Some of you may not have heard that, or it sounds familiar, but not quite. All the time you hear the blood, that blood is thicker than water, and it is used exactly opposite of what the phrase actually was intended for. People say blood is thicker than water, as in, oh, family is the most important thing. Okay. First of all, that's wrong. (laughs) And I know I'm going to get flack for that, but here's why I say that. The phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, meaning the relationships that you choose to cultivate last longer and are more, I don't want to say important, but are deeper for the choosing. They are not something you were just born into. Your family, as much as, as, as much as they may mean to you, and as important as that healthy family relationships are, you were still defaulted into that family. And what I was talking about earlier, this new societal focus on just your partner just your children it's kind of a focus on just the water part of that phrase go out there and choose people form lasting relationships build a community and it has the potential to be amazing it has all the potential in the world to create the most lasting, healthy, important relationships in your life. And when I think about like my core group of friends, we chose each other. And in the choosing, we created something that has lasted the majority of our lives. So, your ex boy per- uh, God, (laughs) your ex-boyfriend's podcast can be heard on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, hopefully this week, Apple Podcasts. I'm going to cross my fingers, hope it works this week. Uh, And as always, you can listen on the host website, Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up. 
So I will talk to you all next week on Sunday. Until that time, go out, tell your friends you love them. Take care.